This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Anthony Kastrovitz, and this is our latest look at the Minnesota Twins. And I'm joined by Rhett Bollinger down from uh, Fort Myers, Florida. And Rhett, uh, just kind of catching up on some of the early uh, news and notes from down there in spring training camp. Uh, and Byung-Ho Park has been a very early, I don't know, surprise is the right word, because, you know, you know he has power potential. But uh, certainly a, a pleasant uh, early storyline there for a guy who was designated for assignment um, and then outrighted uh, to the minors, was not claimed by another club. So he's kind of in this weird, awkward spot with the Twins, but... Uh, nice performance so far. He's gone deep a couple of times, and we have to see what the rest of the spring holds, but certainly uh, an encouraging early sign for Park. Yeah, it's definitely an encouraging sign for Park. You never know how he's going to handle that, you know, being designated for a sign right before spring training. Uh, you know, last year was tough on him. His first year, you know, coming over from Korea, didn't go as planned. Uh, still some of that power early, but, you know, had a hand injury, was optioned at AAA, uh, finished the year, you know, injured. Uh, and to get DFA, you never know mentally how he's going to take it. You know, it's tough on him to just have to go through all that. And sure enough, he came in, and so far, I uh, said the right attitude, and surely it's uh, you know it definitely paid off in terms of his production. I mean, two home runs already in his first three games. He also hit the fence in right field with another one that actually some people in the Twins think was a home run as well. Um, so it's been yeah, it's been impressive. The big thing too is uh, of the first home run was on a 93 mile per hour fastball, um, and the one that he hit uh, today on Monday. Uh, was on a 96-mile-per-hour fastball. So uh, we know last year one of the things he kind of struggled with was uh, velocity. Um, and so to see him do well against high velocity, I guess, and hit the ball, you know, with that kind of power um, is a good sign. Obviously, the difference is in spring training. It's so early. A lot of guys are throwing only fastballs. You're not really mixing in their full arsenal fully yet. So it's hard to really, you know, take too much from it. But the fact that he's catching up to fastballs thrown that hard um, and hitting the ball that hard, obviously, for home runs uh, is a good sign. And we'll see he's definitely in the mix there for that DH job. Uh, not being on the roster doesn't, you know, certainly doesn't help his case. Uh, I think Kenny Vargas being on the roster makes him a little bit more of a favorite. But uh, so far, Park's been the most uh, intriguing and best player in camp. Well, let's talk about Vargas a little bit because, uh, yeah, the DH spot is, is one of those – it's actually one of the few spots of, of roster intrigue with the Twins. Uh, you know, much of the position player group is settled. Vargas is a guy who a lot of us were, were kind of intrigued by uh, at the end of 2014. I think we were calling him Little Poppy at that point as for the <laughs> David Ortiz comparisons. But – uh, had a rough go of it uh, the following season. And then, uh, you know, last year maybe worked himself back on the radar a little bit uh, in a short big league stint. So, um, yeah, what, what's the roster potential here? Yeah, it's kind of the door's kind of open for him, more so than probably ever has him before. Uh, he used to open a season. He's definitely got a real chance here uh, to be the everyday DH. Uh, it kind of depends on how he does this spring, and certainly Park is going to kind of play into that as well. But the chance is there for him. You know, he's a switch hitter with a lot of power. Uh, you look last year, he had some pretty solid numbers that uh, – the major league level, even if you look a little deeper at some of the stat cast numbers, see how hard he hit the ball. He's you know, one of the league leaders, uh, sorry, team leaders in terms of exit velocity uh, and all that. Him and Park both had some, actually some encouraging uh, underlying uh, you know, stats you could see from stat cast. Um, and the big thing, too, with Vargas was you can see is that his launch angle 
really, you know, just more than anything, he's just driving the ball into the air a lot more last year. And that was on purpose. Because uh, the year before, for some reason, he kept driving the ball to the ground and it wasn't really making use of his power. Uh, and once he changed that launch angle to go with how strong he is, he was able to hit the ball in the air for a home run. Um, and so I think this offseason has been more of an emphasis as well. He's even worked with uh, Manny Ramirez a little bit in uh, the Dominican in terms of, you know, kind of working on balance and getting that, you know, swing plane uh, to lift the ball in the air and, and take advantage of the fact that he's such a big, strong guy. Because, you know, even a guy like Ortiz, you might just see him finish that uppercut as a big lefty uh, and just drive the ball into the air. And I, I think that Vargas is big enough and strong enough to do that as well. I think more and more teams and more and more people are starting to look at stat cast and look at exit velocity and look at launch angle and try to create the perfect recipe uh, for hitting home runs and that kind of thing. And I think a guy is as big and strong as Vargas and can hit the ball as hard as him, uh, he's going to take advantage of that. And I think the fact that he kind of did that last year uh, was a good sign. And I do think that he has uh, some serious power potential, and uh, just as does Parks. Uh, a guy, another guy looking to bounce back, uh, a young guy looking to bounce back after a rough go of things at uh, a formative stage of his career is Jose Barreos. Uh, had you know strung up the what ERA north of eight uh, and 14 starts last season. Another guy we were high on going into last season. What do you think uh, his chances are for that fifth starter job? And, and what did he learn about himself from from that rough year in 2016? The thing about Barrios is we know the stuff is good. We saw it with our own eyes. The guy's got great stuff. He's got he throws hard. He's got a great breaking ball. The changeup certainly has good movement as well. But last year he was hit hard, as you said. His ERA was about eight. You know his fastball command was a major issue. Uh, falling behind hitters, and then uh, the changeup was crushed by hitters. And I think there's a little bit of a worry that maybe he was you know, tipping pitches a little bit. I think the big thing was when he kind of, as part of his windup, he kind of like has his arm kind of go behind his back a little bit. And I think what happened was, too, you could see, the hitters could see if his pinky was up off the ball, that it was going to be, you know, a changeup. And it was, or sorry, it was off the ball. I think it was going to be a two-seamer. He was on it. The changeup. So hitters could kind of tell what he's going to throw in his hands, I think. I think they kind of worked to change his delivery a little bit, a little bit of his arm pass. Uh, to get better consistent results. And I think that, you know, he had his first uh, appearance in the Grapefruit League on Sunday through two innings, did give up a run, um, but looked a lot sharper. So I said, the stuff's definitely there. It's just a matter of kind of harnessing it. So I think the thing he's kind of learned is just to kind of, you know, just how important, you know, basketball command is. And I think the spring, uh, one of the drills they've been doing is, you know, every time they throw bullpens, they got to throw three out of five strikes each side of the plate on, on fastballs there. Uh, so I think kind of just working that in and kind of harnessing what he has. It's going to be key for him, and he's got a chance to make the you know rotation. I think Trevor May is probably his top competition for that fifth spot. You know, Tyler Duffy's not makes Ryan Vogel song. There's a lot of names you can throw in that spot, but I do think that uh, the two top candidates are probably uh, Barrios and May. And Barrios is going to pitch in the you know double WBC for Puerto Rico, so he's uh, got a chance to make an impact there as well. And if he pitches well on a big stage, um, that also could help his cause as well. Uh, we know Phil Hughes is in the rotation, assuming health, uh, and he's coming back from that uh, thoracic outlet syndrome surgery and uh, has the rib to show for it, kept the rib <laughs> from that procedure. Give me the outlook for Hughes uh, here in the early days of camp. It's good right now. It really is. You know, talking to him, uh, the nice thing is about surgery is thoracic outlet syndrome. Is, you know, didn't really, you know, it wasn't like he had elbow surgery or shoulder surgery. Obviously, he lost his rib, which is a weird thing. Um, but really, you know, his arm and everything, he said it's still totally normal. If anything, obviously it feels better than it did because, you know, when you have that injury, you kind of lose feeling for your hands, that kind of stuff. You get numbness. Uh, it feels like you almost have a dead arm every day you throw. So I think to have uh, him feeling good and healthy is a good sign. And he's also coming off uh, a knee injury, too. I think his last game he pitched before uh, uh, his Grapefruit League debut was, was a, a game in which he got hit on the knee by a line drive and fractured a uh, you know, bone above his knee. So uh, he went through a lot last year, but the good news is he's fully healthy now. Uh, he's in good shape. Everything else, his stuff looked good against the Red Sox in his debut. So 
Uh, you definitely can pretty much pencil him in the rotation, barring some sort of setback. But at this point, like he was saying, he was pretty much cleared um, at the end of last season. He was throwing, you know, he was playing catch. He wasn't off a mound, but he at least finished last year healthy to a degree. So he had a pretty normal offseason. So I think they're not too worried about uh, Hughes. I think it's, they're more worried about, you know, Perkins and his coming back from his surgery than, uh, than Hughes at this point. Hey, Rhett, one real sad note uh, from the early days of camp. Uh, Minnesota journalist Rod Simons passed away at spring training camp. I, I just wonder if you had any thoughts on, on Rod. Uh, I'm sure you got to know him a, a little bit in your time there, but, boy, what a difficult uh, difficult thing to have happen, uh, you know, during spring training. Yeah, it really was. It was very sad. Rod was an incredible guy. One of those people, you know, that was always positive and happy. You know, it seems like people are always energetic and always happy to be there, and you could really see it, you know. Uh, he came down to spring training, and we all saw him you know, that Saturday, and he was out there doing interviews with Paul Molitor and everything, because he's kind of a fixture uh, locally on the radio. He's a former uh, local ABC sports anchor. He used to be uh, for, I believe, five years in the Twin Cities market um, and been doing a lot of radio stuff over the years. And uh, just the joy he always had on his face. You know, even the last photo they had of him uh, was him taking a big selfie with Paul Molitor and everybody and just having a great time. You could tell he's one of the people that really loved what he did. Uh, which is refreshing to see, you know. And so to have him come down here, pass away in his sleep at 56 years old, um, and have a wife and a kid back at home, and an 11-year-old is really, really tough. And so it's definitely a, it was a sad, sad day, uh, you know, in, in Twins camp. And, uh, yeah, the Twins are trying to do what they can to support that family because it's definitely um, uh, really sad news from a, a guy that was such a great person and a, and a big part of this, uh, you know, reporting community and, and the Twins community as well. Yeah, all of us in the baseball community send our best to uh, the, the Simons family. That's just just awful. On a lighter note, Rhett, um, wanted to ask you as, as a guy who's done his share of traveling uh, on the baseball beat over the years, uh, covering the Twins, do you have any favorite stories from life on the road? We're collecting favorite stories from our, our reporters this week. That's a great question. I think for me, it had to be one of my first road trips. So I was hired to cover the Twins uh, in 2011. This is my seventh season now. But when I was hired in 2011, uh, I was based out of Los Angeles, where I'm from. And so I got the job uh, – during spring training, so it was kind of a, a crazy time uh, to get the job. So I came to spring training, went on my first road trip to, to New York and Toronto, or Toronto and New York that year, and then came back to Minnesota for the first time ever. First time I've ever been to Minnesota was, you know, for opening a home opener at Target Field. And then I had to cover that, and I had pretty much 10 days from there to kind of figure out where to live in Minneapolis. It was kind of a crazy time. Uh, had everything kind of, I got it all figured out, had my stuff shipped. And sure enough, the day before the road trip, I was supposed to get there so I could unpack everything. Sure enough, the, the truck was a day late, and so... I left for that road trip with all my stuff, not even there in Minnesota yet. And that first day on the road was in Chicago. And I'm kind of already scrambling because of all the, you know, craziness of the new job and my stuff wasn't in my place yet and all that. So I get to Chicago and it's Francisco Liriano pitching against the White Sox. Um, you know, and right around the game of the fourth inning or so, the fifth inning, I'm like, okay, you know, Frankie's typical Liriano. He's kind of all over the place. But you look up at the scoreboard, a couple of riders like, he still hasn't given up a hit yet. So he kind of laughed it off because he'd already probably thrown like 70 pitches by then. Um, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, he just started mowing down hitters. And we're like, okay, well, he's got a real chance here. What's going on here? Uh, and sure enough, uh, Liriano uh, finished that no-hitter, which was uh, you know fun to watch, and it was one of the more unlikely ones. I think he walked like seven guys that day as well. Uh, so it was just one of those games you wouldn't forget, and also just the backdrop of it all, being my first like official road trip from Minnesota to New City, uh, and just the fact that you know all the craziness of my life at the time with uh, stuff shipped to my place and, and covering my first no-hitter right away. Uh, it was definitely something I'll never forget, and uh, was an, it was an awesome experience. But the time uh, was certainly uh, a very uh, nerve-wracking day, and that season two was fun to cover. You know, Jim Tomey's uh, 600th home run uh, in Detroit is a moment I'll never forget, and being able to share that and see it with how excited he was with his family to be there as part of that as well. 
so that's you know that's always kind of fun to look back at some of these historic kind of moments you see whether it's a no hitter or a big thing like Jim Tomey uh, reaching a mouse and like that are always kind of like the cool moments at least in terms of the games and sometimes the craziness of being on the road too also intersects with uh, you know your travel life and just your life yeah. at home and trying to adjust uh, so it's definitely yeah kind of crazy. <laughs> it's never normal. If it's normal, you're you're doing something wrong, you know. Uh, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, and it always comes at you in waves. Uh, those, those those experiences. So that's a good one, Rhett. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for your time, and thanks everybody for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extras, Minnesota Twins Edition. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.